everyone. And to James. Who Hello. Was Hello, James. Um, Hi, Jake. Now, now addressing the listeners. Oh. <laughs> I will talk to you again, James. No, it's fine. Um, but to everyone else, welcome to Praise Dionysus. Praise him. Praise him. Ha! Ah. Uh, ah, this week we are talking about K-Box at the Malthouse Theatre. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about Ramona Glasgow by Shrewloose. Shrewloose is what their theatre company is called. Well handled. Thank you, James. Uh, let's not do a second take because I like keeping it real. Oh my God, first take, first try. <laughs> first Jake. That's my name. Stop recording. <laughs> Stop recording. <laughs> Hey, James. Hi, Jake. <laughs> Hello. Good and cold. This is nice. <laughs> How are um, you going? Ah, uh, me? I'm all right. How are you on this dreary morning? Dreary. 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 How are you on this dreary morning? Oh, me? Uh, fine. The drear isn't getting to me, I don't think. Well, I had to catch the tram over here, so it got to me. Oh, sure. Yeah. You okay? I got a bit uh, uh, wet, a bit drizzled upon. Yes. I'm only recently learning how much the rain really weakens yeah, you. Yeah, Jake said earlier <laughs> he finds it ridiculous when people don't go to things because it's raining. Not ridiculous. As I said to you, I absolutely get it. I understand that being wet is unpleasant. Sometimes. No, so I keep accidentally falling into like sexual euphemisms lately. That is very unlike you. It is, and I'm really scared of what's happening. I don't know why it's occurring. But like, it are keeps, you just accidentally like... I'm accidentally just like, you know, like winking after I say <laughs> something. Not winking, of course, because my face doesn't do that. But like, uh, sort of like saying something and then going, uh? <laughs> I was like, that's not... Whose comedy is so you've that? you've joined us in early 2010s humour. Yes. Like, I'm worried I'm going to... Like, I don't know. Like, I'm never, ever going to say that's what she said. It does <laughs> sound like that's what you're starting to broach yourself towards. Which, it, it's really repulsive to me. It feels like, I don't know, someone... Like, someone was offering me a churro last night. And you said, no thanks, I'll take a dick. <laughs> It was that Samantha Jones level of just <laughs> unclever garbage. I was like, am I tired? Why what did am you I... say to this churro? Oh, I was like, oh, oh. Um, so this girl handed me this churro, like, with the end pointed towards me. Okay. And she was like, have some. And I was like, I'm not falling for this again. <laughs> she sort of looked puzzled. <laughs> and I was like, the last time I was offered something in that fashion, it didn't end well. Alluding to no <laughs> <What>? story specifically. <laughs> You and said then, of course, oh. she continued to look confused. And then I was like, it's sexual. <laughs> <laughs> That's not comedy. <laughs> Those are the words that came out of your human mouth. You said that. A hundred sexual. <laughs> I need to be euthanized. I don't know why. It's a, and you just need why? to stop saying things like that, I, I reckon. <laughs> While it was happening, I was like, this is not funny. This is not interesting. This is not a conversation I should be in. Let's backpedal a bit. Who is offering you a churro? I was at work. And so it was just like, yeah, no, it's just... Okay. It's, yeah. Well, <laughs> other than that, how has your week been, Jack? Other than that... Yeah, other than the churro, it's um, I, <laughs> I, I got my monkeypox vaccine. Have you got you yours got your monkeypox vaccine? I did. That's exciting. No offense Where to the monkeys out there. Where did I get it? Um, they were doing. It was like Thorn Health. They were doing a like a pop up. I hate saying pop up. A pop up vaccination clinic at the Paran Town Hall. Oh great! No, I haven't got my monkeypox vaccine yet. Oh. I mean, I need to go and do that. Yes. Um, what, what? That's good. What? What can you do now without worry? I can have sex with whatever monkey I want. <laughs> 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 I'm gonna fuck all these monkeys. <laughs> I would 
come over, Dr. Zayas, but I haven't got my vaccine. <laughs> oh, Dr. Zayas, I have great news. Um, um, yeah, my, my mind, you, my mind has jumped to cunnilingus Dr. Zayas anus. Like, there's a lot of wordplay there. There is, yeah. That's, <laughs> if you don't think about it, that just sounds like real Latin. But no, <laughs> you're talking Dr. about Zayas monkey butts. Anus. Yes. Um, Moving um, on. What did you expect the answer to be? What am I now able to do? I don't know. I just, I, 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 I don't know what I expected the answer to be. I just wanted to hear you say something. Oh, um, that's good. <laughs> yeah. I haven't worried about getting monkeypox vaccines so much yet. Why? Well, I'm not. I'm in a, a monogamous relationship. See, but this leads to not to immediately interject with something I'm clearly already passionate about. Go on. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, but as I don't understand. In a way, I, of course, I do understand to an extent, but I don't understand why this has been just so officially, well, I guess, unofficially declared as a gay issue when obviously truly anyone can get monkey. Well, pops. it's just it's yeah. It, isn't it just the scare tactic sort of thing? It feels a bit the it, scare tactic. I don't know. It feel it, it. It feels a bit like. If they can sort of, because I think there there were initial studies that were like it is more, it, it is more. I think the transmission rates were higher between men who engage with sex with men. Yes. So I think like as soon as you put a bubble around that, you can sort of distance it from any other sort of thing, and it's, yeah. that's just what happened with AIDS and was sort of a similar thing. What the, what's happening with monkeypox? No, completely. Yeah. And it's like, and it's that AIDS trauma that I do consider myself to have been afflicted by, despite having been born in the nineties. <laughs> Like, were you around in the 80s? No, I was about to say, when were you born? So During similar. the AIDS crisis. The AIDS no. crisis. Um, <laughs> the early 90s. Our love and respect to our elders. Um, um, yeah, yeah, but to, to whatever extent that the, you know, the AIDS thing has affected all gay people, you mm. know? The way that all of the, you know, the understanding of the history of the way that AIDS was talked about and yes. HIV was dealt with. Yeah, it's like, why is why is monkeypox our thing now? And and to what extent has the fact of it being labelled a gay virus prevented more people from thinking that it affects them or have been told to be worried about it? And it's therefore just maybe sustained some of the spread. Well, I don't know. I don't even know, like, and that's part of it too. Like, I don't know how bad monkeypox is in terms of how many people have it. And yeah, I think true. if it weren't, you know, off the record a gay virus, it, whether or not we'd be talking about it in a more widespread, across the media kind of way. I've definitely done the thing of hearing about monkeypox virus and I've, my, my I have gone, ah, oh, time to bury my head in the sand because I've had enough. I've had enough. <laughs> got pandemic fatigue. I've got pandemic fatigue <laughs> and you need to be so careful with yourself, babe. Yeah. I mean... You need to look after yourself when you have pandemic fatigue. Yeah, so true. I buried my head in the sand and I have not looked up a single thing about the monkeypox. It's self-care. It's self-care. Yes. Um, yeah, so I have no idea what to say to you here. Sure. No, no, that's fine. No, so it was just like the thing too, even when I was like in the line, I was like lining up outside this town hall to go and get vaccinated. And even just standing there, because like the front door of the town hall just opens up onto Chapel onto the Street. Street. And so it's like, because the queue is outside of the building, I was standing there with all of these like presumably gay men. Mm. And I just was really scared of getting hate crimed. <laughs> so yep. Especially on Chapel Street. Yeah, people are just walking by. Like you never know who's going to throw a rock at you. <laughs> And I'm so sorry to interrupt, Jake. It's time to be real. In what sense is that the case? Be What's real. Be real. Oh. <laughs> um, okay, everyone. Hey, everyone, follow my be real and you can see <laughs> that be real. There we go. Carry on. Um, I will not carry on. <laughs> as if that's the way that conversations are just allowed to happen yeah, now. No, they are now. Now, that's the thing. So, mm. I... Be real's weird. Like okay. I'll be at work and just in the middle of like a, a conversation with someone, you just you stop, you take a be real, and you get back to it. It's what happens now. People just stop conversations, take a be real, and go back to the conversation. How are we so easily turned into servants of whatever social media platform? Servants of Ser Morgoth. <laughs> Sorry, um, who's Morgoth? I've been watching The Rings of Power. 
The worst title the I've ever heard. title. Come on. The Rings of Power. That's what they're called. They're the Rings of Power. Oh my god. But you don't call a TV series that. Yes, you do. The Rings of Power. The Rings. It's, of... it's all about the Rings of Power. Are you uh, are you are you doing your sex thing where you're verging on the on 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 the edge of making a joke about buttholes? Is that why you don't want to call it the Rings when of Power? When I hear Rings of Power. Oh, the only Ring oh. of Power I've got is my pussy. Oh my god. <laughs> Um, the Rings of Power is a terrible name for a TV. Why is a terrible name for a TV show? It's an awful. It just. Can is. you explain to me why? It's just like, it's just too broad. It sounds like the name that like a primary school student would name a book they wrote for their English class. But no, it's all about the Rings of Power, like the Lord of the Rings opening monologue with James. Galadriel. Kate Blanchett says the Rings of Power. She says the words yes. the Rings of Power. Do I have to walk you through the titling process? No, you don't, because <laughs> I wouldn't understand. Just because Kate Blanchett says something doesn't mean it has to be the title. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> That's a treasure. Um, I just think it's. Truly an atrocious thing Well, it's to a call. great TV show, so... That's great. What a disservice they did by calling oh, it shut The Rings up. of... It's a, what would you call it? Um, I haven't seen it because I'm not really into hobbits. <laughs> mm. What What is that I've sound? seen The Menu Date. I, look, David was short, <laughs> but he was wonderful. That was a funny joke. <laughs> so, sorry, David, but you are short. Um, <laughs> um, wait, how... Rings of Power. Rings of Power. Monkey, monkey pox. pox. <laughs> so, I just felt like... so. Scared of getting head-crumbed while I was in the queue at the front. Naturally. Naturally. Then went inside, more gay people, like, more gay men sitting around. Again, I right. don't know that they were all gay. I did not have all sex with all gay of them. All having a gay orgy. We were just... <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, sat there. They sat me next to the bathroom doors. <laughs> because they thought you were stinky. <laughs> oh, you're disgusting. That's the thing. I sat down. <laughs> right in Did not realise I was in front of, like, the toilet doors. <laughs> it was like, while I was sitting there, everyone that had to use the bathroom had to be like, excuse me, so sorry, excuse me. Because <laughs> I was, like, awkwardly close to the doors. And it also meant that I could just hear everything that was... Ew! Oh, no! <laughs> Stop it. I know. Yeah. It was so bad that like the guy next to me in the chair, and it was very much like the, the vibe was silence, but it was so strange that it was like the guy next to me in the chair beside me was like, oh, <laughs> didn't seat you super well, did they? <laughs> I, like, I think it's because they know I'm trashed. Wow. Okay. That's yes. horrendous place to horrendous. sit to get a monkey box back seat. In terms of the gayness of the thing, it's like the posters out the front to try to like, to let people know that it's a, like a monkey box clinic was like, there was a photo of like, a queer person of colour laughing. <laughs> oh, wow. And um, in, in, and it was, like, done, like, makeup and whatnot. Like, it, it looked like they were, like, sort of, like, trans-presenting in this poster. Okay. And then all over the place there were all these, like, rainbow streamers. Oh, my God. And it's like, why are we claiming this so fervently? Yeah, I don't. that's weird. I don't understand why... And again... I, I don't maybe maybe it was just about trying to make something that feels kind of scary and medical a bit more fun. Yeah. But it felt gay. <laughs> <laughs> and again, we're not monkeys. I don't understand. That's interesting. Yeah, I I have no idea what to say to that. No, and it's and maybe I'm saying very rude things or something. But it was just it was confusing to me that we are just so enthusiastic about wanting this to be ours. We're mm. just like unquestionably taking ownership of monkeypox as gay people. Yeah, that um and as gay men. And like, because there was only, I think I only saw one woman getting vaccinated and I was there for like an hour mm. and only one woman was there. Mm. Um, and it just seemed like a sea of gay men. So I don't know why we, <laughs> I don't but know. you got the vax. I got the vax. Anyway, just to talking about my week, one minor thing happened and Go it's on. vaguely connected <laughs> and maybe truly no one but me cares about this. We're ready. <laughs> We're ready. Jonathan Van Ness. Yes. And Anthony Porowski. Yes. My fiance. Yeah. Announced that they were in a relationship. <gasps> I didn't know about this. Exactly. I had this exact reaction and I was like, oh my God, that's so beautiful. Oh my God, that's so nice. 
And then it was like, ah. Oh. And then the next day, they were like, just kidding. Ah! Oh! <laughs> See? Yeah. You can't do that to someone. Thank you. I just went on a full journey there. Thank you. They are exactly my words and my feelings. They announced the next day, no. All we said what? was, we're in a partnership now. And together, we're promoting dog treats. <laughs> Put the dogs down. Put, Put all the, the dogs down. <laughs> oh my dogs. God. Devastating. They, they knew. They knew what they were doing. And if they didn't know, that's fucking rude. I that yeah. Okay. Thank, no, I'm I, so I, glad I'm that it mattered to you as well. That one. Yep. Insane. 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 I had so many emotions when I heard they were together just then, and I had all of them snuffed out. If any of you do not know who these people are, they are two of the gay men on Queer Eye, a show that I can't like watch that much of because of emotional exhaustion. Mm, mm, mm. Um. But yeah, so it was like, and even like Anthony posted this weird video where he'd like zoom in on a photo of like the five Queer Eye guys and it was just him and Jonathan in the photo and he was like smiling and being sweet. And it's like, exactly, I went on the exact journey I just watched you go on of like, oh my God, this is so beautiful because it's also like, it's two adult gay men forming a beautiful sort of romantic relationship. Mm. And because we've got Queer Eye, we kind of have like documentation of the trajectory of their love life together. Yeah. Like it's this beautiful tale. Wow, you of, really, you, you really built this full world in your just head. Because it was so beautiful. And it's like, yeah. oh, I was these two men that have kind of like, they I kind think, of have. I don't think Jonathan identifies as a man. Sure. Okay, sure. Just putting that out there. Sure. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> just before you get, you know, thrown off a cliff. <laughs> Well, whatever. But the two of them as people, yeah. like, oh, it's so beautiful that these two people that seem to also have kind of like energies that don't meld very like immediately, they kind of have this strange vibe. They do. Mm. I I've got to be honest with you, Jake. When Go I ahead. when you first told me they were together, I, my initial reaction was what. Yeah, sure. No. But again, I had to overcome that yep. to then fall in love with the idea. Yep. And be like, what a stunning narrative. We've seen this like gay love story in front of us in real time. Yeah. And then it's like, lol, dog treats. Dog treats. <laughs> it's like, I'm the uh, dog. <laughs> give me a treat. Um, do your best Jonathan Van Ness impression. Um, no. Oh. <laughs> no, just do the way. I, can you do one? Gorge. I just love Jonathan Van Ness. Sure. I th- sure. I just think they're great. I just think... I just want their hair. <laughs> I want to eat their hair. <laughs> I'm glad we got there. I feel that way about Connie Britton. But go ahead. Who's Connie Britton? Who's, she was in Nashville and What's American Nashville? Horror Story. Who was she Nashville? in American Horror Story? I she know that. Like, in, like, she was like Dylan McDermott's wife. In the first one? Yes. Oh, she's great. Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah, she does Nashville. have great hair. Such good fucking yeah. hair. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, but yes, and she was in Nashville, which is like... About, Doesn't mean anything to me. She's like a Shania Twain, Faith Hill, and then Hayden Panettiere is playing like an early Taylor Swift. You need to stop. I'm going to ask you who all these people are. <laughs> so stop. Um, yeah, so felt betrayed by the gays. And you give it how many stars? <laughs> Out of five stars. I suppose... Um, I'm going to give it... <laughs> maybe like a... 60. Now I'm going to give it 110 stars because that was the number on my little delicatessen raffle ticket that was numbering my attendance at the vaccination clinic. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so James. Yeah. Here's a, here's a curveball question for Go you. Go on. How was your goddamn week? Oh, my week. My week. My week. Your week. My week was fine. My week was good. My week was uneventful really. I had work which has been busy, busy, busy. Lots of people need lots of scans, mm-hmm. so that's fine. And then I saw Flynn on Thursday night. You'll have to explain to me... Uh... Flynn is my boyfriend. <gasps> I'm just going to move on James! past this joke. Flynn is my boyfriend. That's very exciting. You have a boyfriend. Thank you very much. Oh, off the now. market, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Don't need the monkeypox vaccine for a little bit. <laughs> um, uh, t- just to clarify, I am going to get a monkeypox vaccine. I know it's a thing I should do. I just think that everyone that needs it a little more should get them. 
first. Well, that's why we're not allowed to get the second vaccination yet, because it's better yeah. that... Yeah, this is what my you know, Irish doctor told me. Oh, your sex doctor? No, no. He's not Irish, he's just beautiful and loves stories. Oh, he's English, isn't he? He's English. Yes. <laughs> I'm glad that everyone knows that. We all grow up to death. Yes. Um, I don't care about your Irish doctor. No, um, the Irish woman that gave me my vaccination. Oh! Yes. Did he, how do you know he was Irish? Did he first in... off, the doctor was a woman... <gasps> yeah. Oh no! Yeah, you've done it. You're I've a misogynist. done it. You've thrown me yeah. off the cliff. <laughs> um, okay, good. We're both we're both falling off the cliff as we record this. Also, I don't know for sure that she was definitely Irish. I'm pretty good at mistaking Scottish for Irish and Maybe British for Welsh. Scottish. Maybe she was Welsh. Maybe she was born in a well. We never know. We never know. We never know. Uh, she. I don't know if she was officially a doctor. I just know that she was capable of putting. She a was someone in my doing arm. the the jabbing. She's a medical stranger, or just someone that wandered in. And we can't. <laughs> my name's Wanda. Move. <laughs> <laughs> Let her in. Um, um. Yes, but we can't get our second doses until like enough people have the first dose because of demand. Smart. You know, it's as she said. Oh, it's better for lots of people to have one dose than for some people to have two and some people to have none. Oh, that is Irish. Well, that's just my impersonation. <laughs> Spot on. Thank you. Uh, so I did that, and then you I did what you saw. Hung Flynn. out with Flynn. Great. Uh, we did some. So we we, we went to uh, is it series 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 in Brunswick. It's like this beautiful little like like urban farm community thing where like they have this beautiful open farm land and chickens and stuff. I'm mm-hmm. um, in a nursery. We went there to buy. Uh, chilies and tomatoes to put in our garden, which we're planting. Oh, oh, oh! Chilies and tomatoes, like the plants. Yes, as opposed to the vegetables. Yes, and the... fruits and berries. What's a tomato? They're all plants. Um, tomato is. Oh, it's one of those things where, like, you'll say it's a vegetable, and then someone will inevitably come in and go. Oh, actually, it's a fruit because it has seeds. Is it a nightshade? I don't care. It's something that we put in the ground and we get tomatoes. Fuck you! How dare you! <laughs> is this how you treat your children? Which I imagine is how you feel about your plants. Yes, yes. I was <laughs> shouting at my zucchinis. They say you should sing to them. Really, it's anything that comes out of your mouth. Oh, they just like mouth sounds. They like noise. Uh, so uh, we did that, but it rained on us heavily. So we decided... Sorry, just something beautiful about the idea of zucchinis can't grow in silence. That, ca- that needs to be used in a bad play as a metaphor. Does it? Yes. First off, it needs to be established as a botanical fact, but then absolutely okay. pepper that in. Well, you get writing. Zucchini's <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gone Grow in Silence, a play by Jake Stewart. <laughs> Based on a made-up plant Based fact. Based on nothing. <laughs> Is that a zucchini? Quick, scream at it. <laughs> scream or sing, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um... If I were a zucchini, I'd be dead (laughs) with this silence. (laughs) Cigarette in one hand, whiskey in the other. Screaming and singing all sounds the same to a zucchini. (laughs) And to me, curtains. (laughs) You can never grow a zucchini in this house. (laughs) No one talks about anything. (laughs) We do talk, Margaret, you just don't listen. (laughs) Okay, so... Don't you call me a zucchini! (laughs) And then it turns out she is a zucchini. Oh my god, she takes her hat off. (laughs) Isn't taking your hat off what we decided? That's a euphemism for suicide. (laughs) So my week was good. We haven't planted the tomatoes or chilies yet because it was raining when we got home. So And you famously discussed we didn't want to get in the rain. So we've got them sitting there. I also bought one of those little um so I famously have tried to grow mushrooms. It worked. Yes. So I bought some <laughs> less famously. It works. No one knows that. Um, so I've now bought like a uh, same sort of thing, but for 
oyster, king oyster mushrooms. Oh wow! So I'm going to grow some king oyster mushrooms, and then I shall, regal. Yes, and then I shall bow down to them. Of course. <laughs> um, but otherwise, we, yeah, we're watching Rings of Power. Yeah. I'm loving it, guys. Write in. I want to discuss Rings of Power with someone. Via I, writing. Via writing. You want a pen pal? I want to talk a pen about pal. Rings of Power. I'd love a pen pal. Why? I don't know. Um, <laughs> good for projecting fantasies onto. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to give my week nine. Nine rings were given to men who, above all, desire power. They would have felt so pretty in their rings. They do. They've got long, beautiful hair. Um, do the rings just make you invisible and crazy? The rings, it's a bit ambiguous as to what they really do. Really? There but are like, so many pages of that book. There's no specificity about the ring power? Like, the, the ring, there were nine given to men, seven given to dwarves, three given to elves. But and dwarves aren't men? Elves aren't men. What does men mean? Human beings, men. Oh, which dwarves are not. Dwarves are dwarves, men are men. Dwarves oh. are the short little Scottish guys. Okay. That live in the mountains. And hobbits are different to dwarves? Hobbits are different to dwarves. Hobbits but are both l- short. They're both short, that's true. Okay. They're both <laughs> true. Hobbits are short. They didn't get any rings because they don't really care about anything. Oh my god. <laughs> no jewellery for the tiny mountain people. Well, no one knows they're there. No one knows the hobbits are there. They just ignore them. They all hide. The hobbits are like this nomadic... In in the rings of power... That, you know what, guys? No, I'm no, not. go ahead. Okay. I'm curious. The hobbits... This is set like thousands of years. <laughs> J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> Jake Stewart. Jake Stewart. He's done it again. He's done it again, guys. <laughs> so in this series, which is set thousands of years before The Lord of the Rings, uh-huh. the hobbits are halffoots. They're a nomadic race of... The hobbits are The hobbits half-wits. are called halffoots. Ha- it's a different... Halffoots. H-A-R-F-O-O-T. Oh. Halffoot. It's just a different name. It's like calling humans... Humans, you know, just get with it. Okay. <laughs> and they're like, they're hidden away, they hide in their little nomadic tribe, and no one knows they're there. Okay. And that's why they don't get any rings. Okay. Oh, nobody knows they're oh, there. You can't give rings to a to someone you don't, you know, don't know, know about. Yeah, yes. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> By the nature of knowing. I'm just going to toss this ring into the mountains. <laughs> yeah. And hope that someone picks it up. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm giving it nine. Nine stars. <laughs> nine rings. Okay, great. Do you have any other questions about the Rings of Power? Because I'm happy to answer them. I have countless questions, but I wouldn't know where to start. Ask one, baby. Oh. <laughs> um, no, tr- I know so little that it'd be like, no, I... Well, is there something you wish that I would ask? No, no, no I have so many like, things to say. I just love the show, and I love the books, and I love the movies. So okay, are there any big celebrities in this show? Not really. Okay. There's a guy from The Crown playing Galabrimbo. <laughs> Galabrimbo. Galabrimbo, I believe is how you say his name, Galabrimbo. Did they just name them all with Boggle? How did they name Galabrimbo them? Galabrimbo is, I'm pretty sure it's either Keller or Seller. Galabrimbo is the elf that made the rings. Oh, an yeah. elf made the rings. Except for the one ring. He made all the other rings, yeah. With Except the help of Sauron. One. Who made the one? Sauron. Sauron. The evil Sauron. Sauron, that big... Like, <clears throat> big forkhead man, and then also the big eye. Is the eye the same guy as the forkhead? Yes, they're the same person. Was the he... For- forkhead guy gets, like, quote-unquote, killed by Isildur, and then his <laughs> soul perseveres and manifests as the one eye. God, it suddenly feels like I'm listening to someone talk about the Bible. <laughs> it, well, well, it was written, Silmarillion in particular was written as a very biblical sort of text. Mm-hmm. It's all about like the creation of the planet and how it all came to be and the gods that rule over the place. And the Fellowship of the Ring takes place after Jesus' death. Well, yeah, it does. It takes place <laughs> in the Third Age. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Great. Do you want to talk about some theatre? I want to keep talking about Rings of Power. I can tell. Yeah. Do you want to give theatre a chance? Yep, let's give it a go. Okay. All right. Hi, Jake. Hello, James. Um, I went to the malt house last night, no less. Oh, to buy some malt. What were you For doing? For malt. There? For malt. <laughs> to buy malt and houses. Oh, and to make Maltesers. 
Okay, that's enough of that. Um, <laughs> and I saw a show. Okay. I saw K-Box. K-Box. K-Box, written by Ra Chapman. Uh-huh. Um, so, do you know anything about K-Box? I don't even understand what what does that question mean. Good, okay. So like as a show, it's or is a show. K, is that K box isn't like a phenomenon that exists outside. Not of... that I'm aware of. No, oh, okay. I think it's just the name of this show. Oh, so it makes sense for me to not know anything about K box. Yes, it does make sense. Okay. You wouldn't know anything because I didn't either. Great. It's not like Korean boxing. <laughs> not that I know of. They didn't <laughs> reference it in this show. If it is, okay, cool. So, so I don't know because <laughs> sure. I'm not Korean. You know? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Got to do some rethinking. You keep talking <laughs> while I reassess. <laughs> Anywho, um, went along. Went in. It's at the smaller space. What's that one? Is that the Merlin? The one. It's not the tower. Like the, the Merlin. Go into big. the left. Okay, not the Merlin. The Beckett. The Beckett is that the smaller one next to the box office? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, the Beckett. That was in the Beckett. Yeah. Wandered on in. Full house. Mm-hmm. I'm in row K. The cast of Full House was there. They were all there. Laurie Loughlin. Front row. Laurie Loughlin. <laughs> <laughs> My favorite. I forget you're from space. Actress or actor? <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I think we just say actor now. Uh, anywho, um, <laughs> I was in row K. Right at the back. Yeah. In you the were in Road K for K-Box. Road K for K-Box. Did you get a prize? No. Oh. Oh, good. But that's fine. Oh, no. You're like a fat child that doesn't get a prize in it's this okay. cereal. I didn't want it. I didn't want No. I just... I love Cocoa Pops. I didn't need a little toy. Cocoa... Eating Cocoa Pops is the prize. <laughs> Anywho. Wandered in. Sat down. The set, first of all, real cool. Yeah. It was just like... It was, it was like an Australiana house. And it was one of those sort of forced perspective things where like the front part is like all the lines lead directly into the middle. So I don't know how to describe this to you, but the walls and the ceiling sort of stretch towards... Oh, how do I say this without being an idiot? So the walls reach out on an angle and the ceiling reaches up on an angle. Okay. It's painted as if it's a normal room. So like the doors are there and the roof has like a light coming down from it, but mm-hmm. it sort of is like open and wide so you can sort of see everything so you take a normal room yep. like a rectangular room yep. you cut the face off that you cut the face at, off and then you stretch everything outwards exactly okay. that's right and then the back wall is taken out mm-hmm. and behind that is like a kitchen space so it's like a space within a space mm-hmm. and behind that is like a little window that leads into the actual kitchen Behind the little, like, dining room bit. Wow. Yeah, it's like a really interesting, straight away, um, well-designed space. Um, should probably just quickly shout out to... Oh. oh, oh, oh. Just gonna sneak in my uh, demo. Rom- <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> I'm I'd, not a I'd, monkey. I'd listen, I'd listen to <laughs> you. Thank you. Um, Romany Harper. Romany Harper was a set and costume designer. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole thing, it was, it just felt like very small Australian townhouse. Okay. And, yeah, like, it had the little green bins in front of it. Because there was even, like, a, a garden in the front of it. Like, a, those pebble, pebble-filled pebble garden. Oh, that, with, like, fancy people have in the That fancy yard. people have, yeah. With like, grass. Yes, exactly that. With, yes. like, stepping stones and everything. A tripping so, has it. And it was just somehow... Yeah, tripping has it. Somehow, so, <laughs> like... Yeah, good. Uh, <laughs> That's just what I think. It's like, you don't want to have fun in your front yard. You just want people to fall down when they're and drunk. And hit their face on the stones. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, so nailed that, first of all. Mm-hmm. Um, wander in, sit down. Uh, ready for the show to start. <laughs> I'm Wanda. Move! <laughs> and you know what? What? There were no ushers on the inside to guide us to our seats. So who who was ushing? It didn't matter. Because you know what? What? You know where okay is? Where? It's after Road J. You cunt. So I just <laughs> wandered up and sat in my seat. I couldn't do it. No, I know you couldn't. Especially Any- after the time I went to Baal and my seat didn't exist. Baal? I went to the malt house to see Baal. What's Baal? Baal? As in like B-A-L? 
Yes, Bertolt Brecht wrote Baal. Oh, okay. The Malthouse staged it, I think, four years ago. I went by myself with my little ticket, went inside, and let's say that I'm like C- C12. Okay. I get there, and it's like C11. There's C13. But there's no C12. <laughs> Indeed. And so then they moved me. <laughs> How did that happen? It was like, because it was like a half thrust. Um, so the seating kind of like was an L shape uh, and in, in constructing the L, they must've removed C12, right. but kept the ticket on sale to fool a Jake. And then what they ended up having to do was they moved me to like the very front row on the side, Oh! but it meant that I was being hit by light spill the entire time. Right. And because of my anxiety and my brain not working, I just spent the whole play thinking about how much people could see me and were thinking about my reactions to things. Of course they weren't, but that's all I could think about. I could not tell you a single thing about Baal <laughs> because I couldn't take any of it in because my whole brain was taken up by don't look weird, Jake. The whole audience can see you, Jake. Your all- brain is broken, isn't yes. it? All I remember is that there was nudity and I remember that there was a part where someone, like the, the big wall of the set fell down and then it started raining. That's all I remember that, from Baal. That sounds amazing. I no, It was beautiful. I have no idea what the plot was. Okay. Uh, <laughs> well, that didn't happen in K-Box. You were- <laughs> My seat was there. But there were no ushers at K-Box. There were, there were, I... <laughs> I will get bit hung of, up on this. Yeah, okay, bit of insider knowledge. I know for a fact they were just down an usher. So, like, they oh. didn't, like there was one usher on, like, one Wait, side. is this because Flog told you? Flog told me. Oh. Um, there was one usher on the side as I came in, doing the ushering from that side, but on my side there was no one, which was fine. We just... Because you know in. the alphabet and can count. Exactly. Sure. You get it. Anywho. <laughs> <laughs> so... <laughs> sorry. K-Box. Yes. Um, it is a show about an Australian family made up of a mother and a father who are very, like, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Mm. Um, they seem to be wealthy and... Well, not wealthy, but, like, upper class, um, living in their Australian house. And their daughter, who is 34, comes back, having just broken up with her boyfriend and sort of quit her job and she hates her friend and she's, like, on their couch and she doesn't know what to do with her life. And she is... She was a four-year-old that they adopted from Korea. Mm. And... Um, the show sort of discusses the ethics and the sort of what what unfolds when you adopt a child from a different country and bring them in and don't really, I guess, do the work in terms of making sure that they feel like they know who they are, making sure they have an attachment with their culture and their history as well as are grounded in the owls. Mm. So it was, yeah, so it sort of unfolds to be this clashing of those sort of the daughter doesn't really feel like she has a... F- um, played by... I'm sorry, I've got the script. The little, um... I'll continue singing my little <laughs> song. I did read them, but I forgot everything. Um, Susanna um... Qu- Susanna Kian, um played... I think her name was Lucy. Um, and she... <laughs> <laughs> Great. <laughs> it's just they're not spending every line going, Lucy! Lucy! Actually, they were. I think her name was Lucy. Um, yeah, so, so, so it turns, like, turns out to be like... Her sort of clashing with her parents, um, uh, played by Maud Davy and Sid Brisbane, mm. um, as the parents just sort of who don't really and th- those two those two played such good Australian parents, like it's the classic happy go lucky dad that doesn't want to engage with anything seriously and just wants to crack a few jokes and mm. be the easy fun one, and the mum that has this great line about like being, why do I always have to be the bad guy? I don't want to be the bad guy, and it's the mum who like who just wants to sort of look after her daughter, but neither of them can really fathom what it has been like for, I'm going to keep saying Lucy, for Lucy <laughs> to, um, hang on, let me just quickly start. Can I keep yeah. singing my song? I'm not a monkey, but I can still get monkey pox, but not anymore, not anymore. 
Because Jay no, thought his says... monkey box of vaccination. <laughs> it just says it's a play about a young woman. So no, I'm going to keep going with Lucy. Okay. <laughs> Great. Go on. Um, <laughs> anywho. So it's called K-Box. Mm-hmm. Because. Yes. There is a box mm. that l- when Lucy comes home, she tries to find. Okay, now here's something, Jake. Mm. What do you think about parents that keep their children's rooms when they when their children move out, and they keep the rooms as they are, like a museum, or they just like, keep the room designated to their slumber? But I guess both. Like w- w- the the idea of keeping that room as a room for your child, or and and just not touching it, just leaving it as it is. What do you think about that? If there's a degree of like, don't touch it, that's how they left it, we love our child, mm. <laughs> and that child isn't dead. <laughs> um, uh, look, I think it's fine. Like, there's an intensity to it. Um, but I think generally speaking, it doesn't immediately like ring off alarm bells of like, oh no. <laughs> I think it's a waste of space. I think they need to be stopped. I think they need to stop doing that. I think it's weird. I think it's creepy. I think it's gross. Yeah. yeah. Like, it, I, I, don't I think know. it's fine to keep a spare bedroom. Yeah. I think that makes sense. Sure. But don't keep it as a little mausoleum to your child's past life that you wish <laughs> would come back. That's the thing. If it's a mausoleum, then it feels a bit like, that's sad to me. Like, even if it isn't a child claimed by, you know, drug abuse or a car crash. It's Let's like, assume the child's still alive and it, he's living as an adult. Sure. But I think if it's just coming from a place of like loving your child, sort of like coming to terms with them, like having left the house, th- there's, I understand the desire to have mm. them always have a place that feels like a very familiar nest for them and for them to always feel welcome in your home. That makes sense to me. I disagree. You disagree? I disagree. I think it's weird. I think it's Because it's a waste of space. It's creepy and weird. And as they did in this show, the parents had sort of started turning that room into an arts and craft room and the daughter gets gets home at the age of 34 Mm. and is sort of like, where's my room? And that's when I immediately realised I don't like this character. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love those moments. (laughs) Like, Like, the journey that she goes on as a person in this show is interesting and it was obviously... A complicated journey, but I just I just found this character really unlikable. Yeah, <laughs> like she comes home and expects her room to still be there, and I just immediately made my mind. I'm a stubborn person. Mm. Once my mind is made, it's hard to change. Yeah, and I decided I didn't like her, and it stuck. And she's was complaining that they were getting rid of her stuff, mm. and they were complaining. She was complaining that her doona wasn't there. I'm like, you're 34. Yeah, and so, <laughs> but what does that mean? Like the the father had this not really breakdown, but I don't want to. I'll jump around a bit because I I don't really know where to go with this. Perfect. But at the end, it's sort of the okay. The crux of the show is she realizes Lucy realizes that she has not been allowed to sort of have a foot in... She's had a foot in both worlds. She she has this great monologue where she talks about... She walks down the street and sees the reflection of an Asian woman and she doesn't register that that's her for a second and then she has to go, oh, wait, that is me. Oh. And she, like, gets, like, racial slurs from people on the street and it takes her a second to sort of not look behind her and see who they're talking to and be, oh, that they're talking to me because she has been raised as, like, an Australian woman, but she... Also, like an Australian white woman. An Australian, well, yeah, she's been raised as an Australian white woman right. and she doesn't really feel like she fits in, but she also doesn't feel like she fits in as a Korean woman because she can't connect with that. And um, the dad has this sort of breakdown at the end where he sort of shouts at her and says, like, you, you're, you're a grown woman. You need to have, like, the fortitude to put up with life and deal with things. And, like, there is an element of that that I agree with. Mm. But it was just... I, I have no idea where I'm going with this. I think I've jumped around a bit too much. No, no. But I, I, don't, I don't agree with... Because it was... The play left it off on a very uneasy note of... She decided that she's going to go to Korea and try and get in touch with her um, birth parents. Oh. Um, and the mother sort of ends up being on her side. And sort of like, that's a great idea. Mm. Um, and the dad just is silent, doesn't say a thing to her. So, oh. um, yeah, it was... Um, 
I really, yeah. I, 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 I appreciated the way the show left it on. It wasn't like a happy, hmm. all these problems can be fixed magically. It's like, it, these things are huge and cause rips in families that take a long time to heal. Yeah. There was a great visual. So it's called K-Box. Because she comes home, she's like, why have you moved... So, so I'm still mentally stuck on the father's silence. Like, what was he upset about? Well, he was upset about because... As the show goes on, the daughter realizes more and more that her parents never really even tried to help her understand where she's come from. Didn't, and this sort of comes from. So she comes home and is upset that they've thrown out a box of her stuff. And she brings out the box. It's this big box. And it's, it's like a cardboard box. And she's sort of like, where's all my stuff? It was in this. Look, this is the scribble in the corner, in the, in the corner of the box. As a child, she had scribbled something that said like, chip. And so they had called the box Chippy, and it was like this box that she played around with as a child, and she became really attached to. So she comes back as an adult, and starts finding herself once again drawn to this box, and she can't. She keeps sitting in the box. She brings the box with her everywhere, and it turns out that's because when she was a child, she wrote Chip because I'm going to Chip, or there's there's a Korean phrase that involves the word Chip, and that means home. Mm. And so she saw the box as home when she was a child. And her parents just called it Mr. Chippy and never sort of bothered trying to understand whether that was a word in her language or whether she... she but they never really tried to connect with that and they mm. never really tried to help her understand that. Sure. So as an adult, she's come back and that's all she feels safe in now. She can't even have a conversation with her parents because as she sort of has this argument with her, they have so much white privilege that they can't see that they don't understand that they have done her a disservice. Mm. So the dad sort of has this realize this rejection that I've experienced... I've experienced trying to explain to my own father about his privilege growing up as, like, a straight white man. Like, yeah. they just don't see it. Yeah. And it was this really interesting moment of, oh, this is who you are. You can't change. And that's just something that I'm going to have to grow and accept and love as best I can. Mm. And watching this daughter sort of have a very similar breakdown, a realisation about her father... Because he just walks away and, and he just refuses to say a word. Like, and he says, we're not, how dare you try to say that we're privileged? We, we adopted a Korean baby. How could we be privileged? And it's like, mm. that's not the point. Yeah. Yeah. So that was just very interesting. Sort of seeing the sort of similarities between, I guess, any struggle that involves trying to understand your parents and your parents trying to understand you, which I guess is really universal. I love intergenerational yelling. Oh my god. Yeah. I definitely, just especially with the way my life is, <laughs> I just love it. I think it's great. <laughs> I think it's great as well. We need more of it on stage and mm. in person. I think yeah. as long as both sides are listening as yeah. best they can. And that's the thing. The dad had some really good and interesting things to say that were like, yeah, no, you're right. You have gone out on a limb. You have done all these things. But that doesn't wipe away the fact that you have done all these other things. Totally. Yes. Um, so it played it from both sides, which I sort of appreciated. Um, there was, so there was this beautiful visual. So she's in the box. She sits in the box. She invites other people into the box and they always reject getting in the box with her because it's weird. It's like, why would I get in the box with you? And the mother has this breakdown. Um, and she sort of is trying to sort of connect with the daughter. So more Davy, who plays the mum, mm. um, has this realisation and this beautiful monologue where she sort of breaks down what happened when they adopted this Korean baby. And she says... It was because of me. I couldn't have a baby. Your father didn't really want to um, have adopted a Korean child, but I convinced him, and we we went and we adopted you. And 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 she's and they're sitting on the couch on the um chair outside in the garden area, and the daughter's in the box, 
And the mum re- reaches out and sort of like, can I get in the box with you? Mm. And so they're sitting in this box and the mum doesn't understand where the box has come from, what it is, but she knows it's important to her daughter. And she's sitting in there. And the, this is after the daughter's had this huge outbreak of, you, you didn't do right by me and I need you to accept that and admit that to me. And neither of them can. Yeah. And so they're both just sitting in this box crying. And the mum's having this monologue. And she ends up with like this... Um, she's trying to justify why she did what she did. And she explains that her mother completely rejected her when, when she decided to adopt a Korean baby and her mother refused to talk to her. And so she had to cut ties with her own mother. Mm. And she assumed, and she ends up with this line of, I just had so much love to give. And I thought that would be enough. And it was just the most horrible, gut wrenching line. And the way she delivered it, it was just, yeah, that should be enough, Mm. but it wasn't. And it's not. Yeah. And she knows she can't fix it and there's nothing that she could do. And she also says this great line of like, she always thought that it was enough. And then up until that shouting match her daughter had had with her just then, she said, that was the first time I ever thought maybe my mother was right. And it was just like, to have that realization that, oh God, I've spent all these years raising my daughter and to realize that maybe I shouldn't have. Mm. It was just such a weird thought to have seen navigated like that so that was just really great kudos to them yeah god yeah that's amazing yeah it was really really gorgeous that's always such a devastating like prospect and realization of love being insufficient for kind of anything like it's definitely as we've talked about before like the way that love is platformed and the way that love feels it's like it's terrifying and you know miserable to think that in a lot of instances love feels so powerful and significant Mm. and overshadowing that for that to not be the remedy for kind of like most things that come along yeah. is really, yeah, immobilizingly horrific. And I think there was also something in the, especially of that generation, the Australian mother, who are the the housewife, the the mother that just wants a child. They're, they're trapped in that life, and to sort of feel that you have all this love to give. And you don't really have anything else. Like, mm. there's nothing... You, 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 that just felt so annihilating. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now, there is... <laughs> <laughs> well, that is when... Before you launch into this tirade that's coming. <laughs> ah. That's what... When, like, Will and Grace were going to adopt a child. Yeah. And Will was like... I just want something to love. And he sort of realises that, that isn't a good enough reason a good to enough have a reason. child. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. And that's not a thing. And I didn't even agree with him until I got a little bit older and was like, oh, he was right for that not Mm. to be a good enough reason to have a child. But when he said it, I was like, what are you talking about? That's enough of a reason. Yeah. And I've been having this, I don't want to get too far into it, but I've been having this sort of interpersonal thoughts about why do I, because I I think I've reached a point where I'm like, I think I want to have kids at some point. Um, And I'm sort of like, why do I want to have kids? And Mm. there's a lot of me that is thinking the exact same lines of, I have so much love to give. Mm. And I'm starting to see this sort of, oh God, maybe I shouldn't, should I? Um, And that's just something that's going through my mind. So maybe that's why that also sort of hit me quite hard. That makes sense. Um, Yeah. Now. Yes. We've got to address the K-pop star in the room. Okay. So Jeffrey Liu plays the fourth member of this Little show. Okay. There's <laughs> a little show. This little, cute this, little this show. This little amateur production. Um, what do you know about K-pop? So little. Same, I know nothing. I know that I think that their music videos are very impressive, and th- uh, that's all. They work <laughs> very hard, they're all very pretty, and I'm, the music sounds good. Sure. So, this is where the wheels for me fall off a bit. 
The wheels of the show? The show. Okay. A little bit. This is just a bit that I sort of found a bit odd. Mm -hmm. So, as part of the story, Lucy goes out and she comes back and she she comes the, the family's getting ready for dinner and she says can you set an extra seat and they're like oh we'll make a joke and like oh we'll set it for chippy the box and he's and she's like no i met someone and they all get excited like who could this be mm-hmm. in walks jeffrey lou playing this korean pop star mm-hmm. who has had a seven year uh famous life in korea as a genuine worldwide pop star mm-hmm. and he was at a gas station in, I think it was Talanga, is where the show is meant to be set, like some small Australian town. And she has just run into him and invited him home for dinner. And and that, and he's this, he's got like American accent, like dressed in like a frilly blazer and tight leather pants. And he walks into this show and I thought I was having a stroke. Mm-hmm. And it was sort of like, oh, okay, interesting. And my mind immediately thought, oh, I really hope this is some sort of, like, I don't know, figment of our imagination, but, like, sort of, like, also just this magical happenstance that is happening for no reason. Like, he's just a Korean pop star that has been manifested out of nowhere mm. because she needs, like, Korean culture to sort of ground herself with and understand and that, like, K-pop is a huge part of Korean... the Korean culture and, and then maybe that's why and maybe it's just happening because it is. But no, he's genuinely a real-life Korean pop star that is just driving through Victoria okay and come decides to come for dinner they never explain why he decides to come for dinner mm. they never explain why he's there they never really explain much about how they met and they even go like onto reference like he's like yeah I was driving through town and I I I saw like the big koala and things and it was just so left of center that it really just took me out of it okay. And he does, there is a, props to Jeffrey Lou, he does this incredible actual full-blown K-pop number with like, with that little space in the space I spoke about, it becomes a little stage. Okay. And he does this incredible song and he's got a beautiful voice and he can dance like nobody else. So that was a real joy to see an actual K-pop piece at the Malthouse stage. Yeah. But it was just, it felt a bit, why mm-hmm. is this what they're doing? And it almost, and I don't know if it's just me, but it felt like it cheapened the story for me. It felt like, I felt a bit, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I felt, but it, it just took me out of it so much. That I was like, oh, I was really enjoying this very genuine family drama of like with real stakes and real characters. And it just, it just felt, uh, why is he here? And it punctured the reality. It punctured the, the reality. The yeah. And it felt like. Oh, I guess if I have a problem, my favorite actor in the world will just walk into my life genuinely and just turn up and do things. Is that what this is saying? I, I don't know. And I, he, he sort of left abruptly as well. And I don't really know what his contribution was ultimately other than to sort of point out, hey, this is kind of fucked that your family took you from Korea when you were four and never taught you anything about it. Mm. Which I feel like she could have come to on her own. I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, James, imagine that you're the playwright and I'm the dramaturg and we're about to start rehearsal for the play. And I'm saying to you, James, I think it's weird that this K-pop star rocks up in this play. I think it's out of nowhere. I think it breaks the rules of the universe. And I think it's going to puncture the reality of things and people won't enjoy this insertion. Mm. You've just added this K-pop star and I don't understand what it adds to the story. You'll need to defend this choice. Yeah. What would I, why would they have done 
I don't know Ra I don't know Ra what Ra Chapman's work is, so maybe I don't know if Ra Chapman is a K-pop fan. Maybe literally it could lit the justification could be as simple as it's my show, I'm writing it, and I like K-pop, and also this is something that I connect to culturally. Like, it's something that I use to understand. Okay. Like, and then defend it in terms of, like, what what will it add for an audience experience? It'll add the K-pop number, which was great. Mm -hmm. That was fun. Um, it'll add the the necessary... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? When people butt up against each other. Conflict? Thank you. It'll add the... Con <laughs> Why did that escape my brain? <laughs> it'll add the conflict that is necessary for these parents to sort of be shaken into understanding they've done something wrong. It'll also give the parents a lot of awful, accidentally racist things to say to this actual K-pop star. Mm -hmm. I don't think I can... I can't think of a way to justify it. I think the thing that irked me the most was just the fact that he was just on a road trip in Victoria. Mm. Like, from Korea. That that just blew my mind. I was like, why wouldn't you make it? Like, he, I, I almost wish there had been, like, a, a lightning bolt and he had just been manifested out of... He like walks out of that closet to be like, "Hey, I'm here!" Like Beetlejuice, like oh, sure. you know, go I'm, full magic. Go full magic. Make yeah. it full magic. Like that sounds way more appealing to me than just I. Of all the places in the world, I finished my seven year pop star journey in Korea, and now I'm driving through this tiny town. Now I must see the big koala. I must see the big. <laughs> like what? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I can justify, I can absolutely justify having the K-pop star and having him do the, do the K-pop thing and being there for the reasons he was there. Mm. I think it was literally just the fact that it was like, I kept waiting them to be like, who are you talking to? Sure. I kept waiting them to for There's be... There's no one there, Lucy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I kept, you know what I kept waiting for? I kept waiting for him to be a manifestation of the box in her brain. Sure. Like, representing what Korea is to her. Like, mm. that's what I was waiting for. Yeah. And it just, he left and he genuinely walked out the door to get into his car and drive away. And I was like... What car are you driving? Like, why? Why are you? Interesting. Mm. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. I just I, I, that that irked me a little bit. Is is what I have to say about that inclusion. Great. I'm glad I saw it. I'm glad I saw it because I knew very little about the the endemic of Australian people adopting. Um, because they, they also um, the night that I went, there's this zine that goes with it, and it has like a bunch of stories from different people in different countries in Asia that have been adopted out of those countries mm. and the sort of hardships they've faced because of it. And it's just, I just, I don't know why I didn't click that that would be so, so much more of a big deal than it is in my brain. Yeah, right. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, this whole thing of like interracial, like uh, people raising people of different ethnicities as their children certainly yeah. flared up as like a real online conversation with like Black Lives Matter and stuff happening. Yeah. Like that certainly became a much more common conversation to fall into. So, and also like Joanna Murray Smith wrote that play that I never remember the name of that was about a woman wanting to adopt a, like a child from a third world country. Okay. Um, and it was not especially good, but it <laughs> also occurred about a decade ago, but... That's that on that. So maybe this is an ongoing conversation. Well, I'd say it's definitely ongoing. I guess it just, like, it varies in terms of the number of people having the conversation. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad. To, I'm, it was it was good to see, and I, I, yeah. Great. Hello. Oh, I thought <laughs> I was going to take the lead on this one. That's Take fine. the lead. No. Do it. No, no, do it. Show me how it was going to go. Hello. <laughs> I'm sorry. Is that all? That's all. That That's all. Been it. <laughs> Hello, James. Hi, Jake. Hi. Hi. Um... I went to the theatre. Did ya? I did. Went to Gasworks. Did ya? I did. Went with beautiful British Johnny. Did ya? I did. That's good. Johnny arrived on a scooter. <laughs> One of the e-scooters? Uh, yes. No, Johnny, you're going to die. Yes, thank you. Yes. No. Um, yes. Those but... scooters are so dangerous. Correct. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, we went to Gasworks and we saw Ramona Glasgow. So Shrew Loose was doing it. 
Um, the play is called Ramona Glasgow. Great. Great. Um, yeah, and it's written by Alice Finney and directed by Tove Dew. Um, yeah, and so, yeah, Shrewloose did it. Um, arrived, didn't know anything about the show. No, truly no- knew nothing about the show. Um, got there, we went to the bar, and my friend Oriel was working there, so it was nice to talk to her. Great name. Great name. And, yeah, spoke to her, and I was like, what's the show? I have no idea what it is. And she's like, I liked it. Um, and she said, there's a lot of smoking in it. I was like, that's a funny thing to bring up as the second thing you say. <laughs> but it was like, she was right. There were a lot of cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> great. Um, yeah, but I was like, great. Thank you so much. Very nice to see you. And then, what's wrong? I was just going to launch into a tirade about how fake cigarettes on stage smell so bad. I, I was about to say the opposite thing. Oh. They smell so good. Really? I think they smell so terrific. Okay, we have different ideas of what smells are. We <laughs> we do. I think it's really hard to smoke in a convincing way on stage. I don't know. I've never smoked one of those cigarettes before. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're like. difficult to like breathe real deep or something. But everyone, and it's not just this show. I think every. I, I think I feel like most of the time when I see people smoke these herbal cigarettes. They're afraid to breathe too deeply and they hold the cigarettes as if they've never smoked a cigarette in their whole damn life. (laughs) Which I find very endearing. Yeah, I've never really thought about the logistics of smoking those cigarettes. I wonder if they're different to an actual cigarette in terms of like the actual smoke inhalation and stuff. I wonder. Right? I have no idea. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'll ask one of the cast members on Instagram. Fake vapes. They need to do fake vapes. Fake vapes. I don't even understand what the suggestion is. Go on. Sure. Um, where to start? Where to start? Um, oh, I guess I'll bring up the fact that it was kind of like, it was a nice little reunion for me to go through in the in terms of like, so I didn't know anyone that was like, I didn't know what the cast was going to end up trotting out and being. Uh-huh. Um, and then the first per- person that pops up on stage um, is this wonderful man. Um, he's, uh, so his name is Rupert Bevan. But I was like, okay, he rocks up. He's the first person I see and he's trying on a bunch of jackets. <laughs> That's what's great. Right. Trying on jackets. I was like, ah! And it was like, it was the sort of thing where I was like, I saw him and I was like, why am I already half in love with this person? And I was like, I've definitely seen him do something before. I don't understand what's happening. And then throughout the entire play, I was like, why do I know that wonderful man? Because he's really fantastic. Yeah. And I was like, something about his demeanor and his face make me think about gay sadness. <laughs> Which, as an isolated statement, is oh. not a very pleasant thing to say. And I was like, oh my god! And it wasn't until I was going home on the tram afterwards, I was like, oh my god! <laughs> he did that cabaret about gay sadness. Darling? Ah, uh, Darling Boy. Oh, was it Dar- No, is that a movie? Darling Boy? Was that the name of the play? Yeah, I couldn't remember. But yeah, he did that wonderful cabaret about gay oh, sadness. And I was yeah, like, oh! Yeah, yeah. That's why. Rupert Bevan. Really mm. great. And it was yeah, really wonderful to have him there. And yeah, so I was like, is he going to be the lead? Is is he? Does he live in Ramona, Glasgow? Is that what He's I'm watching? He's trying on a lot of jackets. That... <laughs> yeah. That's one that, thing I'll say. That's protagonist behaviour. Mm. I'll tell you that much for free. Um, but yes. And yeah, so starts. And then, oh, in terms of just, let's get the reunions out of the way immediately. Um, then it was also the thing too of like, Lucas Rent turned up at a point where I didn't know if there were going to be more cast members. Lucas Rent spindly enters from like the curtains at the back. <laughs> it's like, oh, my word, that man's tall and familiar because I saw him in <laughs> uh, Kill Climate Deniers at Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. About the climate and so forth. And killing the climate And deniers. killing the climate. And in that he was remarkable. And in this he was remarkable. Great. Um, yeah. he's like, I'm very excited because he's just like this very like tall, elegant, wonderful performer and he's like very very like because there's so much of his body (laughs) it's like it's fun to watch him utilize it for like comedy and expression which he does really well and i'm excited to hopefully get to see him like develop as a performer as well because Mm. i feel like once he really masters being able to utilize this very unique tool like tool that he has it'll be really fun to see what he's capable of doing oh my god great Um, yeah anyway that so the plot so it's about Which I guess we should get to. I suppose. So it's in... um, It's set in... 
Look, the program tells you this information, but I'm going to go with what I could gleam from what they talked about and the way that they behaved. Okay. What I came to understand was that it's set in Australia, even though for some reason the vibe felt British, but that's something... Glasgow's in the title. Glasgow... That also... Coming to the show with Johnny, only knowing the title of the show, I was like, is this going to be some sort of like like dirty Scottish wet mm. puddle of a story? God, that sounds fun. Sure. Well, I, I wasn't in the mood for a wet Scottish puddle, but I see you... I'm you... always in the mood for a wet Scottish puddle. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I was like, I was just gonna, I, I just, was just ready to hear like a lot of like bagpipes and sadness and like, I don't know, pub drear, mm-hmm. which again, wasn't ready for, but, um, yeah, but then got there and I was like, oh, this is upbeat. This is sweet. Um, and yes, what was I saying? The plot. The plot. <laughs> so, literally so, starting with the plot. So set in Australia in like the vague, I'm not very good at Australian history. 30s, 20s, 40s? I assumed, gar- like, cont- I assumed current day. Okay. And then the themes and stuff that emerged, like the way that sort of like women were talked about and the way, like it, it seems like it was probably around a similar time to like ladies in black time period. I lo- that's a good, it's a good, we use ladies in black as an anchor for most <laughs> things. Which was like the 80s, right? Was that the, ladies in black? ladies in black was 50s. Good God. Oh yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, because there were 50s. no A's in ladies in black. <laughs> yeah, no. There wasn't A's right in for... black. Yes. Yeah, 80s. <laughs> Eight is in black. Stop it. <laughs> it's not coming back. No, it is. Because <laughs> um, I never want to wear it. Oh, okay. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so I assume if that's the 60s, it must be the we 60s. We get dressed out the back. <laughs> um, so, that's a when lie. When you walk through the door. <laughs> yes. Um, we... <laughs> it's an actual fact. God, that musical school. We look better in black. <laughs> um, but yeah, in the, like there were very similar themes in a lot of, the, in a lot of ways that in terms of like feminism and like women not being expected to go to college and um, the duties of a wife, that sort of thing was like a through line of things as well as it is in Ladies in Black. <laughs> so <laughs> I guess it was probably the 60s or something. And it was rural, which is always a great setting. Oh, is it? Absolutely. Sure, I guess it is for like a play because it's just small cast of people. Small, well. Like everyone knows each other and the drama is intense. Everyone knows each other. Absolutely. And the way like a small town can feel kind of microcosmic. Yeah. Which is always yeah, handy. Yeah, a really, really good point. Yeah. Yep, it's, just like a, back. it's a neat world. Um, so it was set then, and it was like it was also set in the midst of them trying to stage a play, which is oh, always, always good. Fun. Oh, yeah, we love. <laughs> See, so it's already ticking boxes that are like familiar and warm to me, which is nice. <laughs> um, so then, <laughs> so these, I, I'm unsure of how I'm going to walk through this plot, but I'm going to try it. Okay, I mean, listen to um, you, and it's a good plot. We're going to flag that. I enjoyed this show. Great. Um, so <laughs> Rupert Bevan is playing. The, the, the who I think is the protagonist that proceeds to not be the case necessarily, okay. and then we meet the actual lead of the show, um, which is uh, Freya Van Dyke plays Jess. Why do I know that name? I have no idea. Oh. I don't. Know. Are you confusing with Freya Patience? No. Okay. <laughs> um. Yeah. So Freya Van Dyke, she's playing Jess, and so the two of them are twins. Um. It was fun to like just, like. I don't, it, in the first 30 seconds, Johnny and I had come to very different conclusions um, before they announced that they were twins. It was like, oh, okay, they're like sassy best friends. Mm-hmm. And then Johnny had been like, oh, <laughs> he's the lead of the show and she is like his wardrobe assistant. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is not a role. <laughs> What's a wardrobe assistant? Someone that is there to get things out of the wardrobe. <laughs> and assist. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, it's... Um, 
but yeah, but then now reflecting on like the function of the play and the story that Jess then goes on, it's interesting to have not considered her to be the protagonist that she then ends up being in the way that her position in her life, she's almost like relegated herself to the sidelines of her existence. Oh, and you have to almost be one around to the idea, as she does, you have to be one around to the idea of her being the lead of the life that she leads. Oh. It's interesting. But yeah, so, um, so it's the two of them. He's getting ready to see Ramona. So Ramona Glasgow is a person and not a place. Okay. Yes. Ramona Glasgow. Ramona Glasgow. I hardly know a Glasgow. It sounds almost like the name that she would give an imaginary friend you had. <laughs> <laughs> you're, well, you're, you're like traveling down the, the highway. You see a sign for Glasgow. Uh, Ramona uh, uh, Glasgow. It's, it's That's a, what that is. It's like a George Glass situation. It is. <laughs> a table chair. <laughs> His name is George. <laughs> so Campbell Connolly plays Ramona. Ramona Glasgow. From the title, turns up... Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and she, as like her performance and the way that she is written is very intriguing for a number of ways. First off, she has one of the best heads of hair I've ever seen. Do you really want to eat the hair? I did not. <laughs> I, did I want not, to eat that hair. I did not want to chomp upon her locks, oh. but they were very nice. Really nice hair. I'm sorry to immediately talk about her looks first. She's a really interesting performer. She was really great... A number of things kept being great in front of me. And one of them was the way that she was written in terms of like, so she like, it's one of these, and I love these characters, and I love this as a plot device and as a plot. This feeling that you're like living your life and then someone can just turn up in your life and they just sort of like look at it. And this, the play is kind of the story of this happening. So it's someone turning up and being like, you're not living correctly. Oh. And you being like, like a helpful, huh? good way? Kind of in any sort of way. The idea that someone can just like be this cyclone that comes into your life and then leaves you com- like completely changed. Oh. And then potentially can just like leave again. The idea that all it takes is one person, like this one encounter to make you kind of have to interrogate these interesting parts of you. Yeah. And it almost having to be someone from outside of your world. Because everyone around you obviously has kind of like validated and endorsed the person you're becoming. But for someone to enter your world from outside of it and be like, this is... The, the, this is the collection of choices you've made yeah. that have made this life for you. Why and does that you, appeal to you so much? I think it's just, it, it's romantic in the sense of like, even regardless of whether or not you fall in love with a person, it's to, to no, I don't know, to, it, it's so beautiful, the idea of just being seen by someone that respects you enough to ask you questions about what it is that you're doing. You know, partly yeah. because it assumes that you've, consciously made decisions <laughs> but to also just have someone care enough about you to be yeah. like you're cl-. and again this is what the play's about is like it's Ramona looking at Jess and being like you're cl- so clearly so wonderful but you're letting your life kind of suck mm. and it's because you haven't decided that you're worth something and you're surrounded by people that haven't told you how wonderful you are mm. and I just think that's one of the most beautiful yeah. things that a person can do for another person has that ever happened to you? Has someone ever come in and, like, highlighted things that you're doing wrong? Absolutely. I'd say a lot of my, um, my a, a relationship, like, a romantic relationship I had with Wonderful Finian, it was, like, a lot of our relationship was, and I will not go into details about it, but a lot of what I really value about what we went through together was witnessing each other, and he certainly woke me up to a lot of things about myself that I hadn't even consciously created in me. Right. Um, and we met when we were both so young as well. And it just, yeah, just the way that we came at each other and the ages we were at when it happened, it was like it caused certainly me, like I can't speak a lot for him and I shouldn't. <laughs> um, but it made me really like question the, the way that I live and why I live this way and the beliefs that I have and the things that I'm prioritizing or um, 
have decided that matter and my own sort of integrity and the beliefs that I have and my morality and the way that I treat others. Like it was a huge, that's the, that's you know, a huge it's that, shift. you know, huh. and yeah, but anyway, that, so certainly, yes. Yeah, okay, have you had that happen? I don't think so. Sure. I don't think every, every big change in my life has sort of happened because I've just done it. Sure. I think. <laughs> <laughs> You're a lone wolf. <laughs> Not by choice. Sure. But <laughs> I'm just lonely and wolf-like. Wolf, wolf. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that all the big changes in my life have happened because I've just gotten to a point where I've been like, ah, oh, this needs to change. Sure. Um, You're a rock bottom kind of guy. I'm absolutely a rock bottom kind of guy. Um, not proudly, but yeah. Um, I, that sounds great. Sure. And fruitful and exciting. I'm very grateful for Finian. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes. So, um, so, and so, yeah. So Jess is in an unhappy relationship with a guy that mm. isn't treated very nicely. Oh, Jess. Yeah, so sad. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was great. The At one point when, like, the shitty boyfriend comes on at sort of, like, the beginning of Act 2. He'd done something terrible and then said to her, I've decided to forgive you. And then someone audibly behind me in the audience went, what a prick. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, yes! Good audience! (laughs) I love this audience! That's great. (laughs) Really wonderful. Oh, my God, such a good audience. Yes, no. At interval, I realised my friend Amelia was there. Great. She was in the audience! And she, like, when the show ended, she audibly went, (laughs) so wholesome. (laughs) It was beautiful. Oh, was there was, an interval? There was an interval. Okay, good. Love as love an interval. Love a fucking love interval. interval. There wasn't so, an interval at K Box. Oh, uh, oh my god! One oh of the shortcomings. How long is the interval there? It was a twenty-minute interval, uh-huh. and it was great because Johnny was hungry, and so we went to the cafe, and then we bought too much food, so we bought like a whole fucking sandwich. I'm not gonna run you through. What we no, bought. I'm ready. <laughs> I want to hear the interval. We bought like. This like a weird muesli bar thing. Ugh. We bought... That was for me! Yuck! I know you eat muesli bars. It's the most <laughs> fucked thing about you. Thank you. Ugh. You're incorrect. <laughs> <laughs> um, a muesli bar thing. Johnny bought like a big fucking like BLT sandwich Yum. for himself. <laughs> he bought like a sausage roll. Oh my god. We got a coffee each. Oh my god. He also got a wine. Your stomachs wouldn't know which way was north. (laughs) What's happening? Um, There was also a dog there. (laughs) And there was a dog just roaming around. It had a surprisingly small face for the size that the dog was. What's Um, on a dog? I have no idea. I'm not a dog person. Okay. Um, I'm a human person. I'm a human person. We also tried this weird tonic tea that they had on the counter. You need to stop. This is (laughs) (laughs) is a real smorgasbord. So rate your interval out of five. Oh my god. Out of five. It was like a solid, like a seven out of five. Seven, that's a good rate. We accomplished so... We had a whole little adventure in the interval. Wow. It was a well-sized interval. Okay. It was good. Um, Oh, and also, like, because it was was raining so hard during so much of the show Mm -hmm. that they had to, like, like, they had to, like, speak over the sound of rain hitting the roof. That's magical. For the the right show, that's magic. It's the the Ramona Glasgow experience you want to have. Oh, it's a wet Scottish puddle. It's a wet Scottish puddle. And then even, like, we came out at interval and they were mopping up water that had come through the roof. That's, there's something about rain. Rain. There's something about rain. There's something about rain. <laughs> I just, as I said, I realised nothing I'm about to say is interesting or new, but there's something about rain that is so magical. Like when I was in bed last night listening to the rain just pound on my ceiling. <laughs> oh! But as we've established, you don't want to be in the rain. No, I want to be, you know what? I want to be in like, like a, like a, 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 a big umbrella under the rain, just sitting there and listening to it. <laughs> In the, in the cold field. Oh, bitch! That's what I want! Somehow that mirrors privilege, and I'm unsure of how. You okay. want to be amidst the rain, but you, you don't want it to touch you. Yeah, <laughs> hey, I do. Okay, yeah. sure. You've got no magical experiences that involve you getting caught in the rain. And getting wet from the rain. Um, well, okay. Here's... 
I'm going to go ahead and divulge a piece of information from my relationship. Yes. Um, and it's not a big piece, and Flynn, I'm sorry, but we were out on like one of our first dates, mm. and we were sort of like at the point where we were sort of like feeling a little more confident that there was, it was something was happening. Uh-huh. Um, and we were going to going to get a drink, and as we were going, it started raining in the city, and we had an umbrella, and we were fine. But as I was sort of walking into the bar, I, Flynn sort of said, I think you should kiss me in the rain. Oh. Which was... And it was How a, contrived. It, well, it was a very, like... There was That's a pu- so nice. Like, I initially sort of went, oh, this is manufactured and silly. We shouldn't... And then I was like, my, my brain sort of said, no, I definitely should do that. Oh. And then, yeah, we had a little smooch in the rain. It was very cute. So, yes, I have had nice moments in the rain. Yeah. But you just had a... But I'd, I'd rather be dry. <laughs> I'd rather be dry, Jake. Oh, but yeah. Have you had any magic moments in the rain? In the rain. In the rain. Uh... In Spain on the plane. Oh <laughs> uh, no! The fact that none spring to mind. Sorry to do a disservice to any memories that I've potentially forgotten about. No, I don't think. No. Good. That's good. That's good because it means they're all in store. It means you're dry. <laughs> and as we know, being dry is important. Uh-huh. Um, um, I, I'll take this second to point out, like, the fact that the cast was really remarkable. Mm-hmm. Like, the, part of, like, the whole fucking thing was just, like, it was so nice because it was great. Like, it was a two-act show, mm. and it was just, like, it was just a lot of talking. But it was, like, everyone was just, like, this delightful weirdo. that was. It was just so fun to, like, listen to and spend time with them. Yeah, nice. Like, yeah, you know, no one, like, rocked up on stage and you were like, Oh, you! <laughs> It was nice. And they all had, like, great comic timing and were kind of weird. Mm. It was really good. Great. Um, I, oh, sorry. I started talking about Ramona as a performance, and I got sidetracked by oh, that's right. truly yes. nothing, probably. Everything. So Campbell Connolly's portrayal of Ramona was so great because she rocks up, and she's kind of like... She's kind of like... You'd say... <laughs> <laughs> so I just want to get the words right, uh-huh. and I will still get them wrong. So it's like she turns up and kind of like... In terms of this being, because it is, of course, a little tropey in the way of, like, beautiful, mysterious woman comes into town, shakes things up, leaves. Mm. Um, uh, and, uh, and like, uh, Rupert's character is kind of, like, enamoured by her and has been in love with her for his entire life. Mm. That sort of person that people, like, almost like a quintessential Zoe Deschanel early days of her career, kind of, like... Kooky. Oh, kooky, like, kooky, strange, what's going on with her, I'm in love with her, like, almost like a manic pixie dream girl kind of thing, yep. but... But, yeah, you know, just, like, the ideal woman to project things onto that's, like, cool and smokes and, yeah. you know, knows guitarists. Um, but what's interesting about this version of that character is that she's quite young and she's kind of, like, openly... She's kind of, like, has all the inner mechanisms of an intellectual without being very intelligent. Right. <laughs> Which is right. kind of, like, yeah. refreshing and weird. Like, she sort of, like, makes theatrical references or whatever, which is sort of, like, you know, is a level of social capital in this world. Um... But, like, she doesn't... Like, she only recently found out that fraternal twins exist. Um, and uh, she likes... Like, she says that her favourite writer is Proust, but has never read any Proust. So she's me. In what way is she you? I just feel like I identify with that character a lot. Because... I, pretend, I feel like I pretend that I'm smarter than I am. Sorry to turn this into no, me no. immediately. Yeah, no, you have but, the diction yeah. of an intellectual. Yeah, but I'm not very intellectual <laughs> at all. So I feel Ramona. Uh-huh. And if you say a bad word against her, I will feel no, personally that was part of, No, it was part of the magic of it. Uh-huh. Because it was like, okay, so she's... Because it's, it's kind of like... It's a show about sort of young people working out the lives that they want to live. So it makes sense that she's kind of... Got it. And yeah, she does like this flirty thing where she asks people if they want a cigarette or something. And it's like, and then she fucks them. <laughs> so flirty. <laughs> but it's, 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 I don't know. It was, there was something very like endearing and young and 
kind of like unexpected in the way that this trope functions. You know, nice. it's like, oh, it's clearly just a person that's got a wonderful haircut and a cool attitude and dresses well. Mm. Um, that is kind of like upfront about the deceptive nature of the the person they're pretending to be. Oh, because at that age, that's kind of like all you're doing is kind of trying a personality on and seeing what people think of it. Yeah. Um, the plot itself is kind of like, so Jess has written an adaptation of Orpheus and Eurydice mm-hmm. and they're kind of like planning to stage it. And it's sort of like the hijinks around that and the so- like social situation she's in and the effect that Ramona Glasgow has on the group of people that are there. Um, they just put on Hades Town. <laughs> It's there already was, done. I, watching this, I knew you'd bring up Hades Town, which I don't know enough about to talk to you about. Okay. But then I, there was also a number of times where I thought of you. Aww. <laughs> oh, shut up. One of them was this thing that you would have loved that I had no interest in, but it was great. I'm ready. <laughs> this part of like, there was, um, so what's her name? Her name's Mary Agnes. I'm going to get her surname. Um, the character's name is Mary Agnes. Uh, no, the actor's name. So Mary Agnes O'Loughlin plays Max and she's one of the, like the kooky like cast members of this play. Mm-hmm. Um, she like has a pet cricket for a while. It's yeah, she's oh, okay. she's great. And has this really great voice. She's got this fantastic speaking voice. She's got one of the, she's one of those characters that just like rambles about nothing, mm-hmm. but it's the first I don't know, the first memorable time that I've experienced that character be done by someone with this kind of like really great kind of like pointed gravelly voice that like <laughs> you know because normally it's like oh the, the, the daisy spoon but this this version was like now I'm actually really interested in this thing that I'm talking to you about and it was like oh, oh yeah. this is so funny and cool and direct but yes yeah, she does does this part where she reads Ramona Glasgow's like tarot cards and every time oh. she pulls, so not even just that was like oh James needs to be here for this <laughs> um, pulls out a tarot card and every time she names what the tarot card is this lightning effect happens oh. so it's like this thunderous sound that's occurs. magnificent but it's like like but then two of the cast members sort of respond to the thunder sound as if like why is there a thunder sound effect happening that's and I was like this joke is for James that's terrific this joke is only for James I love that joke <laughs> I'm so excited to know that exists Yes, and then the other time that I thought that I enjoyed that I think you would have enjoyed even more mm-hmm. <laughs> was there was this transition that occurred uh-huh. between you know between two scenes okay. as these things often do. Not um, <laughs> and the scene itself. So after they've just moved a couple of like the obvious set pieces off to seemingly buy themselves more time for maybe costume changes or something. Yep. <laughs> they've decided to get Mary Agnes to enter. <laughs> From like the left, she's carrying truly the biggest book I have ever seen. <laughs> it's like it's in this impossibly large tome. <laughs> yes, just, this big old brown book, and she's just looking through it slowly and going, "Hmm," <laughs> and just walks across the stage <laughs> and just leaves. It means truly nothing. Yes, <laughs> it's never referenced again. It's never referenced. Yes! <laughs> One of your favourite comic I devices. I love a comic device that's never referenced. <laughs> and I was just like, that's the best that's thing so good. I've ever seen. <laughs> just just wandering around. Mm. Just across. Because presumably someone needed to put overalls on or something. That's great. Really, really I fucking good. I do love good. that. Um, <laughs> um, Amanda Demonarachi. She plays like the stage manager of the show. She's really, really great in kind of just being like this like strong like assertive powerhouse that keeps things moving and it's just kind of like, you know, a bully. <laughs> Great. Which was good. Um, yeah. So yeah, just a strong ensemble. And it was just like a, like a lovely, like sort of nourishing, sweet. Wholesome. Wholesome time that I was just, ah, it's just like, I really, really like feeling like that at the theater. Yeah, sure. Um, you know, it was just like a story that, that people felt like telling. I thought there was something really nice. Um, so like Jess finds, cause like part of the story is kind of like a little bit about like the value of theater in terms of the way that it just connects people to each other. Mm. Um, and part of the appeal of this like, country town is like, 
obviously part of what's interesting about anything set in a country town is working out what the value system of everyone living there is because presumably it's something that they share in order to be a community which yeah. they're forced to be they have to come up with these rules that help them to get like this implicit like understandings yeah. and the sort of things happen where it's like her shitty boyfriend is in the play even though he's a shit actor doesn't remember his lines and doesn't treat her very well he's still going to be in her play because that's mm. just how this small country town works so that's part of what I think is so like wonderful about shows set in small towns it's part of why I love Bunheads so much even though it got cancelled after one season and no one cares about it except me and Sutton Foster staring at me blankly. Staring at you blankly <laughs> because you're going to need to explain to me what Bunheads is. Amy Sherman Palladino who Who's made that? Gilmore Girls. Who, okay. And she also made Marvelous Mrs. Maisel which I have not watched. I don't, yep. Yep. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, she made a show set in like a town called Paradise and the mum from Gilmore Girls is in it with Sutton Foster. I've never seen Gilmore Girls. Oh my God. Sutton Foster plays the lead character, Michelle, who is like a Las Vegas, like, like showgirl, who on a whim sort of drunkenly gets married to this guy that's obsessed with her. And then she sort of like wakes up hungover in the car with him driving her to the town where he lives. And uh-huh. it's this beautiful, like, Stars Hollow-esque, lovely little town. Mm-hmm. She wakes up, she goes there, she meets his family. He's like, I married this woman that I'm in love with. And she's like, I barely know him, but I guess I'm married now. And then he dies tragically. Oh. And so like, she inherits all of the stuff that he had. And he's oh. like in this town now with this house and with this mother-in-law. And she's, and then she like, the mother-in-law is like an, an old like Broadway dancer and runs this dance school. And so oh. the, the, the mother that doesn't like her very much is like, Look, you have to do something all day. Why don't you like teach a class? Because you're a fucking dancer. And then Sutton Foster is like, oh, Fine. And then it's about Sutton Foster teaching these dance classes to these girls who will like talk fast because it's Amy Sherman Palladino. And it's just about the girls and about Sutton Foster getting to know them and about Sutton Foster trying to find her way as like a woman in her that 30s. Great. It's one of the best shows I've ever seen. <laughs> and it got cancelled after one season. It's oh. really, really good. Naturally. Naturally. Um, but in terms of the way that this show is kind of about the way that theatre affects people, I thought there was this, there was, I don't thought, there was this really beautiful part where Jess was talking to her shitty boyfriend and she was being told, they were talking about sort of like, kind of like peripherally talking about the idea of going to therapy. And then she sort of like says to herself, get thee to analysis, hmm. which is obviously like a Hamlet joke. Hmm. Get thee and, to a nunnery, right? Yeah, yeah. Yes. Um, yeah. And then she sort of starts laughing to herself. And the boyfriend's sort of looking at her, like, confused as to what the fuck she's doing. And that moment just, like, hit me really hard mm. in the way that was, like, it's so... like Because it really well kind of, like, crystallised and exemplified the thing of, like... And it's almost the thing that anyone has with a the thing they're really passionate about to, like, a, to a, like a weird extent. Mm. Um, like you with hobbits. <laughs> you know? Like, the sort of private... It's not just hobbits. Sure. Okay. Sure. It's also space nonsense as I well. I love space nonsense. But the sort of, like, with this, it was, like, the, the way that... The way that, like, theatre exists for Jess in this play as a thing of, like, she can have this, like, quiet, really pathetic, kind of, like, a little Hamlet joke to herself mm. that she can only enjoy on her own because no one else will understand the intricacies of why that's funny to her. Yeah. Um, but she can sit there and giggle and all the while with someone looking at her is kind of, like, unselfconsciously just enjoying this little experience that she gets to have between herself and, like, William Shakespeare. Or Amelia Bassano. Or Amelia Bassano. Depending on your theory. <laughs> um, that's so nice. That's such a nice little special moment to have in your show. Oh my god. Yeah, no. So mm. I thought it was just one of the times where like the writing really shone. Um, but yeah, that was cool. I really liked how often they joked about wanting to kill themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, not a joke you hear much. More of it. More. I want more, more suicide of it. jokes. It's so fucking good. Yeah. There were times that Rupert like, joked about wanting to drown himself in the creek. 
I feel I say that sentence often in my life. You do. <laughs> you do say it a so, worrying amount. Yeah. It just made me feel seen. And it was just nice. And it's nice any time that there's like a story about um Yeah. About being trapped in your own circumstances. And they sort of say this thing about um how the only thing worse than being sort of like trapped in a changeable circumstance is being aware that it's changeable and doing nothing about it. Oh yeah. You know? Okay, yeah. That's horrible. Yeah. It was just like a resonant thing. But yeah. There you go. Cool time at Gasworks. What's it called again? Ramona Glasgow. Ramona Glasgow. Yeah. Oh, and talking to Amelia, uh, pointed out that the two leads who end up, end up in sort of like a like a lesbian love affair had re- previously been in an like an anti-bullying commercial. <laughs> so oh. it, was like, it was like a reunion for them. That's fun. So fun. <laughs> Working together again at last. At last. <laughs> we did it. We did it. Hooray. We did it. Um we talked about some shows. We, we laughed. Work. We cried. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm still weeping from your wound. Yeah, ew. Weeping. <laughs> ew. Don't say it. No. Uh, ew. Anyway. Parlant. Parlant. What's parlant? Means pussy. Oh. You, what? David taught me that. Boggy fundus. Ah, boggy fundus. Boggy fundus to you. Yes, and to all a good night. Oh my god, boggy fundus. Boggy fundus. Oh, did Luke McShane teach you that as well? He did. He taught me boggy fundus. Boggy fundus. Never recovered. Um. So, what are you? uh, Are you doing anything tonight, Jake? What are you up to? (laughs) That's me to know, and you to get gout. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not a rich king. (laughs) Boggy fundus. I will be. This is my daughter, Boggy. (laughs) Boggy. Short for Boggarella. Bogarella Fundus, a pleasure to meet you. Bogarella Fundus. <laughs> Ma'am, your hand is very moist. <laughs> oh, I know. Um, anyway, so if you are doing a show or something, let, let us know. know. And we will... <laughs> Send us a ticket, we'll come and see it, and we'll say things about it on this show. Yeah, you know. We'll talk about it. Um, all the... Yeah, it's in the show notes, all of the information in terms of trying to communicate with us. Yeah, um, but we do have an email, and we do have an Instagram. They're yeah. all just... Our name. Get there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Figure it out. <laughs> You're smart. <laughs> K's after J. K's after J. Yes, it is. Yeah, but how is that helpful to them? As in, like, it's the sim- same premise as finding your seat in the fucking theater. Oh, it's see, just I... Just use your brain. I... <laughs> you know? But again, I'm always an advocate for the people that need an usher. We may disagree with everything we've already said we as will. opinions change because we are human beings with thoughts, damn it. <laughs> and our friends don't let friends become theatre critics. That's right. They don't. They don't. They just don't. They don't. Um, have a boggy fundus. <laughs> a boggy fundus to you all. <laughs> um, yeah, have a great time. Stay warm. Stay, stay warm. safe. Oh, it's cold out there. And get vaccinated. Those monkeys are coming. Bye.